0: You have your Bible this morning, we're beginning a brand new series, First Corinthians chapter fifteen. You can open up your Bible, and if you didn't bring a Bible, it's okay. Uh, the scripture will be on the screen this morning for you. As I mentioned, we're starting a series today called Reach. And over the next four Sundays uh, before Easter weekend, can you imagine that it's only four Sundays till Easter weekend? I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and maybe an Easter too. (laughs) But we want to, as a church, come around the gospel again in a fresh way. We want to ask God, as we reach out to the Lord, to ignite afresh in our own hearts uh, the power and the beauty and and the transformation of the gospel outworking uh, in our own hearts that we would be empowered and equipped to, to reach people, to fulfill the vision and the mission that God has given us to, to reach people with the love of Jesus, loving all people to Jesus. That we would, as we reach out and, and share the gospel, uh, see people come to know Christ. You know, there are thousands and thousands of people in our city that that are just open and, and hungry uh, to know Jesus. And sometimes I feel like there's pressure that we feel uh as as followers of jesus and 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 it shouldn't be a pressure thing it should be an outflow of our of our very lives and i've been thinking a lot about this myself and we were in a staff meeting not long ago and we were talking about this idea of you know how passionate are we as church staff today just today how do we feel about lost people and and i have to admit my my grade was a little lower than i would have liked it on a scale of one to ten but I left that meeting feeling more intentional, more excited, more more on fire, Just even just talking about the fact, just bringing intention to the fact that, that God's heart just burns for lost people, that I could be a part of that, that he's called me to be a part of that. We were in a restaurant not long after that, and there was a, a young lady, and and she was there, and her name was Alicia, and she was serving us, and she had a tattoo on her arm. And I like asking people about their tattoos because... Uh, tattoos typically will mean something to somebody. And so I said, uh, I I noticed your tattoo on your arm. Does that have a story? And so she began to tell me a story about somebody who had passed away and how this person was dear to them. And then she had a little cross on her wrist. And I said, I said, I noticed you have a cross. I said, are you a person of faith? And she says, ah, you know, not really. I just kind of, maybe there's a God up there somewhere, but I kind of like the idea that there might be a God. And and uh so i asked her and i said i said can i just ask you a question do you, do you go to church or did you ever go to church she was like no not not really and and i could tell she was almost feeling a little bit embarrassed just like you know it's funny because you ask people if they go to church and they just feel like embarrassed by that and i said listen hold on listen you don't need to be embarrassed here's the deal if you don't go to church that's great because here's the thing i'm a pastor and if you're ever looking for a church i'm your pastor i'll be your pastor i 'll be your pastor, and so I gave her some information. we connected I told her about monday night and and so we 're just trusting and believing God that she will come and, and be a part of, uh, of of what God is doing here and it 's just really about being open and available you know um, and we can all do that and so this morning, as we look at this series reach first um, corinthians fifteen one to four let me let me read it and then we 'll uh, then we'll go into this word together. This is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church in Corinth. And he had established this church, was giving leadership. There was all kinds of problems in the church in Corinth. The Apostle Paul being uh, one of the main leaders of the early church after Jesus rose from the grave and was resurrected and empowered the disciples by their Holy Spirit. Paul had a, a supernatural encounter with the Holy Spirit himself got set on fire. And he was planting churches and he writes to these ones because they're having issues. How many are thankful that it's not just you and me that have issues, that the church in Corinth had issues. They were fighting, they were backbiting, there was immorality. And chapter 15 of First Corinthians, he starts addressing a doctrinal problem. And he's saying that this really is the most important thing that you need to know. There. There's all kinds of stuff like how do you follow Jesus? How do you live for him? But this is the most important thing. This is what he says. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. I preach this gospel to you, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you As of first importance would I also receive that Christ, he died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day in accordance with the scripture. The Living Bible says it like this. Now let me remind you, brothers, of what the gospel really is. For it is not changed, it is the same good news that I preached to you before. I want to share a word with you this morning. If you're taking notes, it's entitled, Good News for Me. Good News for Me. Why don't we pray? Father, we thank you today that this gospel has changed our lives, that Jesus changes everything. And Lord, you've been so good to us. And by your grace today, God, that you, we ask that you would open our ears, that we would hear you. You'd open our hearts that we would receive the word. God, that you would change us and empower us afresh. Give us, God, refreshing in our spirits today. Let the gospel become real to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good news for me. It's great getting good news, isn't it? There's a lot of bad news in the world. Just turn on CNN or whatever news channel, CBC, CTV. They're all the same. Maybe Fox News has a little bit better news. I don't know. Maybe not. (laughs) It's all pretty much bad news that we are being engaged in. But good news, it's good to get some good news once in a while. Have you ever lost something valuable to you? and then somebody finds it, that's pretty good news, isn't it? Have you ever lost your purse or your wallet? Anybody ever lose their passport? You know, I remember one time losing my wallet, and I was thinking about it, and I was, it was, I was worried about it, and I had an emergency phone number in my wallet, and it was my parents' phone number. And I remember after several days, my dad calling me. He, he said, hey, I've, I've got good news for you. Somebody turned in your wallet. And it turned out that I just left it on the roof of my car when I was unloading groceries and then I dro- or whatever, loading groceries. And I- have you ever done that? No, none of you have done that. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. But the reason why it's good news is because there's great importance and great value when we have something valuable that we lose. Luke 15 is a, a, a beautiful portion of scripture where Jesus tells a parable or three parables if you, if you like. He tells a parable about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep and and then he he lost one of them, and so he left the ninety nine sheep and he went off and he found the one sheep and when he found him, he came back and he had a a celebration and a party, and then the other parable about the lady who had the ten coins and and she lost one of those coins, and so she turned on the lights and she swept swept the house clean and then she found it and when she found it, she called all her friends and she she had a party and then the story of the lost son who squandered his father's inheritance and one day though came to his senses and came home and when he came home the father wrapped his arms around him and, and they had a celebration. And Jesus talks about the fact when something lost that has been if there was something that was lost and it's then been found that there's celebration and there's, there's more rejoicing Jesus says in heaven over, over one lost soul one lost person In heaven, than all kinds of righteous people. And don't take offense at that because God loves you and me if we're saved and we've believed the gospel, we've believed the good news of Jesus, and we're, then He loves us. and, And even just sense the presence of God as we've gathered this morning. Have you sensed His presence? Have you sensed His goodness, His blessing, His love for you, His favor? But how much more that God is passionate, there's a party in heaven. There's dancing and rejoicing. I can imagine what it would be like that that one person hears the good news and receives the good news for themselves, and and there's nothing like seeing somebody come to faith. And all of us in this room today would have a story. Some of us may be here on a journey of faith and still exploring, but most of us in this room today would have a story of coming to faith in Christ and, and remembering that. So. Paul, he's writing to these Christians in Corinth, and he's saying, I want to remind you of the most important thing, and the most important thing is the gospel. And the word gospel, you can use the word good news, and so when I say gospel or good news, they're one and the same. That's what gospel means. It means good news. And this is the best news that any of us could ever hear, that any of us could ever encounter, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we think of when we think about reach and we think about the gospel rightfully so we think about us sharing our faith. And that's and that's rightfully so. And over these weeks we're going to come around that and and think about how we can equip ourselves and think about lost people and effectively share the, the good news with friends and neighbors and people in our community in, in an even more intentional way. Why? Because there's, a, there's rejoicing in heaven over one person. And it's God's heart that none should perish, that all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, to salvation, that, that God's heart is longing for the city of Calgary. And he has put on our heart what is on his heart, and burning in his heart. And so there's nothing more exciting, nothing more important, there's nothing more urgent, there's nothing more valuable than seeing lost saved, seeing lost people come to know Christ in a personal way, this gospel. And when we think about it, we think about it often that we should be sharing, but today, We need to look at the words of Paul, and if we could put ourselves in that place, he's writing to this church, I believe that he would be reminding us today, if the Apostle Paul were here, if he was writing a letter to us, he would say, I want to remind you of the most important thing, and that is the gospel. It's the most important thing in your life. It is the most important thing that you could think about, that you could invest in, that you could build your life around, that you could surrender it all for. We only truly live when we surrender ourselves fully to the work of God, to the calling of God, to the good news of Jesus. The reason why Jesus came is the gospel. He came and died on a cross for you and for me. He laid down his life willingly because he loved us and he came with this incredible news that we don't have to perish. We don't have to spend eternity in separation from God, but we can know him. The parables of Jesus are these beautiful pictures of the party, the party that happens when lost things are found. The party, the celebration that happens. And God wants to shift, I believe, this city and this church into a party like we've never Experience before. You think church is fun now? You think there's good things that God is doing now? I'm telling you, God is about to shift something in, in our hearts first. And he's going to shift something in our church. And I believe, and I just see it in my spirit, that there are tens of thousands of people that are yet to hear the gospel. And they're going to hear the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is going to become good news to me again. And the gospel has to be good news to me before it can be good news to somebody else in the way that God desires. Here's the main idea of this message. The gospel must first be good news to me if I'm going to share it as good news for someone else. And that's my whole point this morning of this message, that by the Holy Spirit, he would empower us and refresh us and strengthen us and remind us of the most important thing, which is that he saved us and that he desires to save people with his love. The gospel must be good news for you and for me. I love what God's doing on Monday night. and Monday night, we have a service every week to heal a Monday, and most of you know that. It's around 300 young adults, primarily, that show up here in this room. We went away at the leaders not too long ago, and we went up to Kananaskis and had a a planning meeting, and just in a season of change, as Pastor Tim had had moved on from that leadership, we just began to seek God as a leadership team, saying, God, you know, what do you want? And so the Lord just reminded us of some of the, the three pillars. There's actually three pillars that, as we prayed and we sought the Lord, that Tehillah was built on. And and, and those three things were first of all, prayer, and the second thing was the presence of God in worship and encountering the Holy Spirit. and then the third thing was reaching people. And we, we came back and, and uh, we've just seen God begin to move, and, and the prayer room now on Monday night at six o'clock is full. the chapel's full, and you're always all welcome to come if you're looking for another place to pray corporately, six o'clock every Monday night, and it's growing, there's momentum. And, and we're experiencing the presence of God. And, and we're seeing people come to, to Jesus. And people are talking about Jesus in the city and in the community. There's one young adult I met several weeks back. And, and he came to the front. And I was meeting him afterwards. And he said, I've never been here before. And I, and, and he said, I said, well, yeah, did somebody invite you? He said, yeah, I was in a coffee shop. And, and I was, I've just been on this journey in my life. He said, I've been exploring different kinds of faiths, and I've been reading a lot. And I was at a coffee shop, and I heard some people at the other table talking about God. So I turned around to them, and I said, hey, I heard you guys are talking about God. We engaged in a conversation, and it was Monday night. And they said, sorry, you know, it's been a great talk, but we have to leave now. We're going to church. He says, well, where are you going? They said, Tehillah Monday. Why don't you come along? And he said, Sure. And he came, and he's given his life to Christ, and he's growing, he's learning, and God. Because what happens is, when the gospel becomes renewed and refreshed, and we begin to seek God, and we begin to, uh, we, we begin to, the gospel begins to become real again in our lives. Uh, we cannot help but share it with people, and there are people that are longing to hear the good news of Jesus. So what is this gospel? Let's just look at this for a few moments to be reminded of the most important thing. Paul is wanting to remind the church. So here's what the gospel is. First Corinthians 15 is one of the, the most concise um, pictures of, of. It shows us. Paul shows us here. This is this is truly what the good news is about. And so the first thing is it must be received. He says, this gospel I preached to you, which you received. And it's receiving it not just with head knowledge, not just with uh, an assent. Like, yeah, the gospel, I get it. But receiving meaning that I've actually bought into this in my life. That I've received this good message of, of, of love that God loves me. And that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That I've received this personally in my life. It's like Christmas morning. You know, the mom and dad are excited about getting their children presents. And they have the presents all wrapped under the tree. And the kids come down the stairs. Well, what are mom and dad waiting for the kids to do? Tear open the presents, right? Because there's beautiful gifts there for them. But what if the children came down and politely said, Hello, mommy and daddy. Good morning. Good Christmas morning to you. And politely sat there, looked at the gift and said, Thank you so much for the gift. Went upstairs and went back to bed. They wouldn't truly be receiving the gift or the intention. And so the gospel needs to be received, needs to be opened. It needs to be discovered. It needs to be personally received. And then he said that we can stand on it. Paul says you can stand. It is solid. It is not something that is flimsy And I want to remind you that as you receive the good news in your own life, that you can stand on God's word. You can stand on God's character. You can stand on the gospel. It's a firm place for you to stand. It is a rock for you to stand on in your life, the gospel of Jesus. I remember preaching one time uh, at at a youth event, and it was cool because they had the lights and they had all this stuff on stage. And they had built the stage like way out into the seats. And what I didn't realize, there was a part of the stage that they had built out for people to walk on, and then there was another part of the stage that was just a facade, and they didn't intend anybody to walk on it. So as I was preaching, you know, I was preaching the Word of God, and I was going this way, and it was fine, I was going this way, it was fine, and then I started walking out on the end, and the stage gave out one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Man, I fell down and bounced on the ground so quickly. I mean, I was just like, bounce, and I'm up again. (laughs) Everything's good. It's all good, right? Um, Wow. And the reason why I fell is because it was a facade. I couldn't stand on it. You can stand on the gospel. You can stand on the good news of Jesus. He's our firm foundation. And then it's about being saved. I love this. Paul says, This is by which you are saved. You you and I are destined because of sin. And sin is not just behavior that we do. It's actually a human condition that we have. That we need salvation from our sin. And it goes all the way back to to Adam and Eve. and, and, And when sin entered the human race, do you know that we all have sin coursing? through our our veins. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sin is not about I'm more righteous or I'm better than you or anybody else. And we know this as followers of Christ that we need need salvation. We need to be saved. But but sometimes we can lose even the joy of what it means to be saved because we just get on with life. David cried out and he prayed, God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I think David was kind of reminding himself of the main thing, the main thing that God loves him and that he he was that he cried out and, and knew he knew even, even old covenant, he knew the grace of God. And he knew the salvation was important. And here's how we're saved. We're so saved. Turn to your neighbor beside you and just look at him and say, you are so saved, okay? Just go ahead and... Here's how so saved we are. We're saved from our past, we're saved in our present, and we're saved in our future. We are saved... From the penalty of sin. How many are thankful for that? That you don't have to pay the price. You are saved from the penalty of sin. This is from your past. This is every mistake. This is every failure that you've ever, every sin you've ever committed. You are saved. And the blood of Jesus saves you because of what Jesus did on the cross. You are saved from the penalty of your sin. And this, friends, is justification. And you are also saved, Paul says, As you are being saved, you know that the gospel is relevant even right now today. The gospel was relevant when you woke up this morning and you went into the shower and you had your bowl of cornflakes or Cheerios or your toast or whatever. The gospel was relevant then. It's relevant right now. Right now, present, the gospel is working powerfully in your life and in my life. You are being saved from the power of sin. Jesus didn't just come and die on a cross just to save you from your sin, but to give you the power to live in freedom from the bondage of sin in your life. And so he is saving you, and the gospel is relevant, and the gospel is working in your life through sanctification, that process of becoming more and more like Christ. And then you will be saved. How many are thankful that we will be saved from the presence of sin? that there's glorification, that one day there'll be no more crying, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more sorrow and pain, that one day the power and the bondage of sin will completely be broken. We will be in eternity with the Lord. We will be glorified. That's how saved you are this morning. You are so saved. You are so, this is why it's good news. And friends, it's got to become good news to us again. We can't just go, oh yeah, I'm saving, I'm going to heaven. No, yeah, you're going to heaven, but you don't have to pay the penalty. Jesus died the death that you and I should have died. He took our place as a substitute. He he died a death, you and I should be, we should be on death row, but Jesus Christ said, I'm willing to take that for you. And I am working in your life through the power of my spirit, and we've got all kinds of things to look forward to. And then Paul says this about the gospel that Christ died for our sins. Romans 5:8 declares, but God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while well, we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Still in your sins, still in my sin. I think one of the most beautiful stories in the gospels is the story of Zacchaeus. Someone who was still in his sin. And Jesus reached out to him. The woman at the well, someone still in their sin. Let's talk about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was somebody that nobody really liked very much because he was notorious for ripping people off, living a life that was missing God's best, missing God's heart. And Jesus reached out, loved him, even in the middle of his brokenness, even in the middle of his pain, to the point where Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house and hang out with you. And because Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, encountered his love, encountered his presence, encountered his grace and his mercy, Zacchaeus, his heart began to change, just being impacted by Jesus to the point where Zacchaeus said, listen, he he began to change because this is what salvation does. When when we are saved from our sin, it's not just fire insurance that we're going to heaven. It begins to transform us. And Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give back I'm gonna give half of my possessions to the poor and, and I'm gonna give back four times uh, if I've ever ripped anybody off. You see, what happens is, is Zacchaeus began to experience the forgiveness of his sins. He began to experience the power of the gospel. The gospel began, began to make sense and become good news for him. And Jesus said this. He said, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek And save the lost. God is about seeking and saving the lost. Lost people. And then finally this morning, the gospel is that Jesus was buried and he rose again. (laughs) Not only did Jesus die on a cross, some people think, well, isn't that nice that Jesus died? Here's the power of the gospel as well. Jesus died on the cross, took our sin and our shame, He was buried, think about this, but he rose again. And the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is alive in you and me. Jesus is not. In the grave. And as we move towards Easter, I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would give us a fresh revelation of what it means that Jesus was buried and that he rose again and he is alive and he sent his spirit. He is here right now, he is here by his spirit. Physically, he was here 2,000 years ago. People could touch him and engage with him. But Jesus says, better that I go and I'm sending you my spirit. And because Jesus is alive, he is here. And he's working in you, in me. And we are being saved. We've been saved. We're being saved. We're gonna be totally saved. And there are thousands of people in our city that need to hear this good news that we have experienced in our lives thousands of people that God would enable us to reach. When we see water baptism, we had a baptism last week, and when we are lowered under the water, we are identifying with the death and the burial. That's why we believe in immersion. That's the way they did it in the, in the New Testament. Under the water, because we're identifying that we go down Jesus' death and then burial. Your old life is buried. How I many are thankful that you're not the old person you used to be? That all things have become new. That you're a new creation in Christ. And that when you are raised up out of the water, then you are identifying with the resurrection power that Jesus rose from the grave. That he is alive. He was buried. And he was resurrected. Somebody say amen. Amen. He rose again. And so because Jesus is alive and he rose again, it doesn't matter how bad the news is today because there's still good news. (laughs) Because Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. Amen. The big idea is it must be good news to me before it can be shared as good news to someone else. Reaching people flows from that heart. That God has touched my life, changed my life. And I think there's no greater kind of example, especially that's current on our minds right now, is the life of uh, Dr. Billy Graham. And Billy Graham has been on the news, and and I I don't know if you've had the chance, even, it's over the last little while, but even, I guess it was, was it yesterday or the, no, Friday? Just watching bits of the, his funeral and some of the things that were said. But the day that Billy Graham died a week or so ago, um, Heather and I were having our morning coffee, and we just saw the, the news feed. And both of us, I don't, I don't know kind of how it happened for you, but for us, we were, we were gripped. We were just like, wow, Billy, Billy Graham and before all the, you know, things came out on social media and different prophecies and things, uh, I said to Heather, I said, this is significant. And Heather said to me, this is significant. And we talked about the idea that we felt like God was saying, it's, it's now our turn, church. That we need to pick up the mantle of Dr. Graham, that he went as a forerunner of the gospel in our, in our nation and around the world. And that the move of God that would that would come upon the church would be so mighty that this would be the beginning of a last day move of God that would reap a harvest of souls like we've never seen before, and and we just did. You, do you sense that? I mean, and this was before I kind of heard stuff, and like we were just we were feeling we're like this this go time for the church, and that's been that's my prayer that God would would enable us to to you know. Billy Graham's gone, but he had big shoulders. But he went as a forerunner to what I believe prophetically that all of the church. I believe that God's going to release a grace on all of the church, all every every person that has been saved by the good news of Jesus. That we would be carriers of the gospel of Jesus. We would do it in love. We would do it in the spirit of Billy Graham. We would do it with kindness, compassion, with integrity, with with, with fervor, with passion, not quitting, surrendering our whole life for the sake of the gospel. Christianity. Christianity is not, when it's real Christianity, an easy, happy-go-lucky faith. It's a, passionate, committed faith with people that say, I am willing to die so that I can live. I am willing to lay down my life for the sake of the gospel. I am willing to risk. I am willing to step out. I'm willing to share the gospel. Even if I get rejected, I'm willing to do it in love. I'm willing to, I'm willing to share this good news with Jesus because it's good news to me. It can be good news to you, but it's got to be good news to me first. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to empower us as a church, and it's going to be so good. We're going to get up every morning. We're going to say, it's good news today. And we're going to be looking, and we're going to be open, and we're going to be available. We're going to say, God, how do you want to to work out this gospel in me today? What are you doing in me through the gospel? How can I share this good news with people? And friends, we're going to see a mighty move of God. We're going to see people come to Jesus. We're going to see backslide. We're going to see people walked away from the church. People have been hurt. People have been broken. I call forth to the north, the south, the east, and the west. We say, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going out from this place in a new authority, a new power. And the most exciting thing is, friends, we get to carry it together. It's not about a pastor at the front of a church. It's not about certain key leaders in the kingdom. It's about every single one of us, the priesthood of all believers, all of us carrying the word of God, the gospel of Jesus with life, with joy, with integrity, with passion, and sharing it with everybody that we can because it's the best news. It's worth risking your whole life for. Some of you say, well, I'm tired at my job and I feel like my life's going nowhere. There's no real purpose. You know what? Your job is not your purpose. Your job is just your job. Your purpose as a Christian is to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to experience it for yourself and to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, to preach the gospel, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded, baptizing them. Are you ready for a revival? Because it's going to move in and through us. It's not going to be about superstars or celebrities. It's not going to be about Eloquent sermons, although I'll do my best not to bore you every Sunday, okay? I'll do my very best. I'll study, I'll pray, I'll pray, I'll do my best, okay? Can't promise it's always gonna be a 10 out of 10. Might sometimes be a seven or a nine. I, I don't know, it could be a four. I don't know. It's not about eloquent sermons. It's about us getting it. It's good news to me. And it's gonna be good news for others. Dr. Billy Graham, you might have seen this video But I wanted to show you this video, and I want us to uh, watch this. And as we watch it, I, I want us to be in prayer and just pray, Holy Spirit, how you've impacted this life and these lives. God, would you use me in such a way that it would be good news to me so that it could be good news for others. Let's watch this together.
1: tell me I was in makeup over across the street and I just immediately just put up my hands and said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Because he has been uh, lingering and languishing. Uh, I mean, last time I saw him was four years ago at his 95th birthday party. And uh, Frank was alive there too when we went down there. And uh, I was sitting with his granddaughter at a, at a, um, at a table and hadn't seen him, and he was quite frail. But I, I knew in my heart it would be the last time I'd see him. So I said to her, I said, just tell your, father, your grandfather, thank you. Because my whole family came to the faith in Jesus through the Billy Graham organization. Right. Yes, and I personally did, going to the first movie that the Billy Graham organization ever put out. It was called The Restless Ones. And it's like, God met me, and in my heart, right where I lived, I wanted to be an actress. So where does God meet me? In a movie theater. And at that time, he took a lot of flack for even making the movie.
0: See, but I just so
1: interesting because you you had the same philosophy as he did. Which he used to say, he used to preach about the joy, the joy of Absolutely, Absolutely. that sounds yes. like and it. And what just happened for Billy happened for my husband, happened for my mother, for my father. Everybody that dies in Christ goes immediately into the arms of Christ for eternity. That is the hope of the Christian faith. Yes, it gives us the tools we need to live in the world today while we're alive. But that's why I could hold my dead husband in my arms and rejoice. Because I knew where he was. And it gives you the peace that passes all understanding that we don't have, if we've ever needed peace in this world, we need it now, right? And Somebody says to me, why are you so bold about your faith? And I just look at everybody's beautiful face right now. You too. (laughs) I said, why are you so bold about your faith? And I said, you know what? If you had the cure for cancer, would you keep it quiet? Or would you hold it? And keep it a secret. And I always say, I have the cure for the malignancy of the soul. And he has a name. And it's Jesus. And if you just receive, I talked somebody off a cliff this morning on Twitter at 4.30 this morning. Because he says, how do I know you, Jesus? How can I get to know you, Jesus? And I feel so privileged to be able to share just the good news. Gospel means good news. It's good news, and I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the living God. They're so different. They're so different. We need more religion. We need more Jesus. But that night at his birthday party, I, he was very, very sort of, you uh, know, his eyes were. And I went over to him and, and I said, Milly. "He was he insisted everybody call him Billy." He said, "Billy, Billy," and I could see sort of he was doing this, and he said. Billings, Kathy, G. and it goes. Oh, Kathy, I
0: love you. Amen. It's our turn. This is good news. What a privilege it is for us. It's just to carry this forward. In our city, Calgary, as we love all people to Jesus, it's time to reach. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Our love for God flows from our lives and it impacts people. And the reason why we can love is because we've been loved. The reason why we share the gospel is because the gospel is relevant and active and working in our lives. The reason why it's good news for somebody else is because it's good news for us. And I believe the Holy Spirit today and even moving forward this week, he wants to remind us of how good this wonderful news is for our our lives. Ed Stester said, he's a guy that does studies on church and evangelism, he said 89% of Canadians would be open to hearing someone that they feel is credible share their faith. There are 89% of Calgarians who actually are open to somebody that they feel is credible. How do they feel you're credible? They just know you a little bit. They're getting to know you, building relationships, Eighty-nine percent of the people in our city are open to hearing the gospel, according to this study, which I believe is accurate. And so, what I want to call us to today is in your bench in front of you, uh, there's a book of, book of John. And it's, um, thank you, Casey, for helping us get this from the Gideons. It's this little book of John. It's black. It's like this. I want everybody, that's your gift today. That's for you. What I want, to, want us to do as a church is I want us this week to read through the book of John together. If you read three chapters a day, starting today, uh, you'll read through the whole book of John by next Sunday. And the reason why I want you to read it is because I want us to get the gospel in our hearts again. I want us to get the gospel. I want us to be reading the book of John, the good news of Jesus, and then what I want us to do is once we've read it through together, I want us to begin to pray even as we're reading it. Lord, who could I give this little book to? Who could I give this book of John to? Just to encourage them. Just to, just to leave it in a restaurant with a, with a big tip, please. <laughs> Don't just leave them a Bible. Give them a tip. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a nanny. It's a babysitter. It's a friend. It's The way, the truth, and the life. The Gideons have done such a great job. And so this is our gift to you. It's a tool for you this week. First of all, to get the gospel inside of you. And then to give it away. To give it away. Would you stand up with me this morning? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you that it is good news. And Father, I pray that if there would be anyone here today that has not yet surrendered their life to Christ that even now in this moment, Lord, that you would come and save them. If there's anyone here today and you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I want to remember you in prayer today before we go. If you're here, would you slip up your hand so I can pray for you? If there's anyone here today, I want to give you that opportunity today. As so I'm looking around, just raise your hand. Say, remember me, Pastor, in prayer today. I want to receive Christ. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you today. Then, Lord, as, as we are saved and full of the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray, God, now that you would send us out from this place. And Father, I pray that you would save each and every person, anyone here today that would call on your name, that they would come to know you. God, you would send us in the power of the Holy Spirit as we preach the good news. And God, may it be good news for us today. Let's worship together this morning as we, as we close. And let's just respond to God as Michael leads us. And then we'll be dismissed just in a moment.